One Percenters, how we doing? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the One Percenter Podcast with David Nurse and this episode, the NBA episode with your guest host, Ray McCullum. Our guest today, Bismack Biombo of the Charlotte Hornets. And Bismack might have the most motivational and inspirational story you have never heard, but you're about to hear it. And you're about to hear how Bismack went from not being able to afford school lunch, going to school without shoes on, being detained and thrown into prison for just following his dreams, and how he has used that all for fuel. Fuel to develop the relentless consistency in his work ethic and his mindset of never letting anyone tell him that he can't do something. Bismack and my guest host Ray McCullum dive deep in the Bismack story of how he overcame basically every obstacle thrown his way and not only just survived, but full on thrived. We talk about Bismack's routines, habits, mindsets that have turned him into one of the best big men in the NBA for the past 10 years and why Bismack is just getting started. Not just using basketball for basketball alone, but using it for his platform to build schools, hospitals, and so much more for the people throughout Africa. He is a man of unbelievable grit, determination, loyalty, and love. One percenters, you are in for a big time treat today. Get ready to ride the journey that is Bismack Biombo. Buckle up, because here we go. You have one of the craziest stories that I've I've ever come across. Like literally, I hope they make it into a movie someday. It's that it's that inspirational, but it's just a testament to to who you are, the motivation and drive that you have on a daily basis. But you want to just uh, start it off, just diving in a little bit on on your story and and how you got to the NBA. So where do I start? Back home. Let's start back home, man. Yeah, let's start back home. One- one thing so, that I talk a lot about is preparing for the opportunity, and yeah. you didn't have anything, obviously, growing up, and you didn't no. have a whole lot of opportunities, but whenever you got that opportunity, man, you took it and you just ran with it. Like, just mm-hmm. the opportunity of getting out of the Congo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, where do I start? I, th- I think I was 14. Uh, I started playing basketball like 13, which was a little bit late, and then. 14 took it a little bit serious. And then at, uh, at 16, um, I was one of the best kids in the country. So I had an opportunity to go to Qatar. Uh, but we had to go through like, uh, like, uh, two different, two other countries before we catch a flight, uh, based on the money as well. Like the bus was cheaper. So we took the bus from, uh, from, from Congo to Zambia to Tanzania. And then from Tanzania, we waited, I think, for about uh, two weeks. Uh, I think it was in November, actually, when we were waiting for our visa because I just checked the day. It was like November 4th, uh, around th- those days. Um, and then um, once we got our visa, we were supposed to go to Yemen and then grab our visa to go to Qatar because, uh, in Africa, they didn't have at the time uh, an embassy to get a visa to go to Qatar, uh, only in Yemen. But as we got to Yemen, it was just like, hey, let's at least start working out. It's been two weeks. We haven't really worked out a lot. So we start working out with a team, a local team in uh, Sana'a, 
Uh, so as we were working out with the team, one of the coach liked me. And um, and then the guitar was taking longer and longer. Uh, visa was expiring, running out of money. Um, so it became like survival mode, so to speak. So I decided to take the deal and stayed in Yemen and played in Yemen for one season. Uh, then I had a chance to, uh, we were playing in, uh, in Jordan. Uh, was like a, a club competition. So we qualify from Yemen. Um, we're the first team in Yemen, so we get to compete to other first team uh, from the Middle Eastern countries. And um, and out of there, there, there's a coach that used to coach the, the Angola national team. Angola is a, a country back in Africa. And now I was coaching in Jordan. So after he saw me, I was like, man, you're really good. Like, well, what are you doing in Yemen? Like... You could you could literally make it um, big if if you're in the right uh, position and you have the right people around you. I could help you. So uh, we exchanged contact. I went back to Yemen. Um, I saw him again for the second time in Lebanon, and, um, and then we kept talking. And then he find he, he introduced me to a guy out of Spain. And, uh, and the guy was like, look, I, I think you have a lot of talent. We can help you. Uh, so I went back home after that season, grabbed my visa, went to Spain. And then, uh, like I was telling you, uh, I was in uh, in uh, Vitoria was my first city. I was working out in Vitoria. And then um, um, Vitoria did not want to sign me, which was uh, uh, something at the time. I can't remember the name of the team. And then a bunch of teams come and visit me, and then they say, man, this guy's soft and he sucks, so I can't sign him. I was like, okay. They never see me play, but fuck it. So, I, uh, uh, they had a camp in Malaga. <laughs> uh, they had a camp in Malaga, so my agent was like, she might as well go to Malaga and be part of the camp, but uh, Unitaha would want to try you out again. So I went to Malaga uh, for two weeks, actually. And then they were like, no, man, like, we can't, can't sign him. So I was like, all right, man, well, what's next now? So uh, I went and worked out with a coach for about, like, a month or so, a month and a half. And then um, for Labrador, I was like, sure, we're going to sign you for, like, one year and see but you have to play with the junior. I was like, damn, I come all the way to play with the junior. I never played a junior in my life. So <laughs> every time I play with the junior, it was like, what are you doing with the junior? So uh, my first game was against Lucas, Lucas Nogueira. Uh, Lucas Nogueira, I think uh, I ended up playing with him in Toronto for a few years. He was playing for Estudiantes at the time. He was like the promising kid, you know. I crushed him. I had like 35 points, 20 rebounds, and like 15 blocks, and I was killing him. Uh, but way before that, the coach of Leb Plata and the coach of, of Eba was like, man, like, why they have you play with the, uh, the junior? Because I asked them if I could play one-on-one with like one of the bigs they signed for Leb Plata, and he was like, man, you're really good. You, you could play with us, and then you could play with Eba, but not the junior. But the owner of the team uh, or the guy that run the uh, sport department was like, we definitely got to try him with the junior and see what he's going to do before we let him play with Eba and uh, and and Le Plata. 
So long story short, uh, they put me with the junior and I destroyed Lucas. I still, he still remember that every time I see him. That's yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I started playing with uh, uh, Lev Plata and Eba. So I had two games every weekend. I would play on uh, on a Saturday and Sunday. Sometimes I play on Saturday morning. Uh, sometimes I play on Saturday morning, and sometimes I play on. Uh, uh on saturday night so like it went both ways but uh and then uh the following year batista was being sold to victoria um so they needed somebody until they find a person that could replace batista and then over the course of the time the coach of the acb liked me so it was like man you should come back and practice with us tomorrow and then I, be, I was practicing with them for like two weeks, but then I was the only guy that could guard Batista in practice. So uh, when Batista left, uh, Batista was like, man, I don't know what you're doing here, but you're definitely going to make it to the league, you know, like the big league. Let me kill them in the ACB, just go to the NBA. And at the time, you know, I was, I was not even 18, so I was like, yeah, whatever, man. So... Uh, Man. Nike Hoop Summits come up. Right before Batista left, I stopped playing in the ACB. Uh, played in the ACB for two months. Then the coach of the ACB was like, man, you're definitely going to stay and play with us for the rest of the year. You belong in the league. So meanwhile, I was never introduced to the NBA. And finally... Um, had to come and play the hoop summits, got to the hoop summits. Um, I was not supposed to play, but as I got off the plane, I just wanted to be there and play and and just show people that, hey, I belong here, you know. Um, based on what I saw, like the people that was around, I was like, I think I could do this. So they put me to practice. I asked them if I could practice. As I got off, I think it was like a, a eight hours fly. Or oh, ten hours fly actually, uh, from Madrid to Portland, and then as soon as I landed, they give me my stuff to practice. I had a great practice. Then the coach was like, "Who say you're not gonna play?" I said, "Well, that's what I was told by people that asked me to come and be part of this." He said, "No, you definitely got to start for us, and you got to be our captain because you have the personality, and then you're going to kill it." So. From the first day I got there to the last day, I became the conversation of the Hope Summit. Who is this kid? Where does the kids come from? And then after the Hope Summit, I had the, I had the first triple-double in the Nike Hope Summit history. I still has it. Amazing. Nobody has broken it yet, so thank God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I play actually against Anthony Davis, uh, Austin River, Bradley Beal. Uh, Mike Gilchrist, um, who was damn, I think I'm missing some, yeah. So, but, Anthony Davis, you know, at the time was projected like like the number one, the big deal. So, right for me, it was just like, oh, fuck it, let's go get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then from there, all the scouts was like, this kid is an NBA talent, he could definitely come to the NBA and play right away. So, after the hoop summit. 
since when my brother wasn't even paying me, I played the hoop summit, finished the hoop summit, got a triple double. I didn't even know how to triple double. Listen, I didn't even know what the triple double was. As the game was over, they said got a triple double. I said, what the fuck is a triple double? So then they were like, well, a triple double is when you have this, this, and this. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know? So <laughs> my agent then was like, yo, you're definitely going to get drafted in real high. I was like, damn, why should I go back to front of brother when they're not even paying me? So I got on the plane. I went back home. And then I spent like a month home. And then I came back to Spain doing my workout. So I did most of my workout and meeting with teams in Spain all the way until until the draft. And then three days before the draft, I came here. I worked out for uh, Detroit, uh, uh, Toronto, and Charlotte. And that was it. Then I got drafted. So it's a long, that's a little bit of a journey from from Congo to the league. It's an amazing journey. And to preface for everybody out there, like, you kind of downplayed it too, man. There was like, didn't you have to go in your journey? Have to get sent back to Congo? Weren't you? Yeah. You were playing like that's I, like that's an amazing just overcoming the struggle as it is. Like you, you're trying to achieve your dreams and you get thrown back into prison. Yeah. Well, <laughs> never been in one until that time. You know. I uh, like chasing your dreams and because so this is what happened. The person that had the our passport went to the embassy and the embassy was not in Dar es Salaam and Dar es Salaam is like the capital of, of Tanzania. So he had to go to Zanzibar where the embassy was and Zanzibar is like a small island. So he left like today. We had to wait for a few days for him to come back. But during that time, people thought we were just immigrants, you know, uh, with no passports, uh, probably running from Congo, uh, pro- uh, poverty. So, you know, at, at three o'clock in the morning, they knock on the door. And as they knock on the door, it's like uh, immigration. And everybody went, holy mother, immigration <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. Uh they asked for our passport. We didn't have it. Uh, paper, uh, like we had like our ideas and stuff, but uh, they still believed that we didn't have no passport in somebody's country. So they took us to jail. So we were there, yeah. I think from um, uh, from from three a.m. until like six p.m. And it's like one of those jails where a toilet is inside. Uh, like, you never want to be there. Never. Like, have you watched Prison Break? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, when it was in Panama. (laughs) That's the kind of shit I got to experience. But, uh, but then, you know, I think that's just the journey. At some point, you just get to realize, like, you know, you have to go through things like that, you know, the bad things, so to speak, so you can appreciate the good and, you know, when you overcome these obstacles, you know, you feel good about your situations. And I think that's that's kind of what I've been learning throughout my journey, you know, the downs that you face. And not always a bad thing or the downs, you know. It's just lessons to every, each and every scenario. And they help you grow, you know, so. So, that's so amazing. And, and Ray, before I, I let you jump in here with question, I just got to point out that, like, like, when me and Biz would work out, we would get to the to the beach at 7 a.m. every morning, probably earlier sometimes. And this dude would just have mm-hmm. 
huge smile on his face. I'm still waking up, and he's just excited. Just every every single day, is like, man, today is the best day ever. I'm like, biz, 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 chill out a little bit. But but, and then we go to the court and work out, and then it's just like come back at night, and you just, I mean, it was just being around you is is energizing, and and you're light, and you're an energy, and you're just ultimate. You have ultimate joy, man. I haven't seen that in any like like I do in you, and I can see through your story, and just like you're saying, like. A lot of people could look at the situation you're in and could have given up when times got hard, but you just looked at it as a challenge and overcame it. And through overcoming it, I mean, now that defines who you are and like the joy and the appreciation you can have for what you're doing right. Ray, what you think, man? I mean, that that whole journey right there itself is is really unique and very crazy. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, Biz, you say, they kind of got you from back home, saw that you were tall, you could play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get down to Malaga, they tell you you're soft, you can't play. And you're kind of just getting moved all around Spain. And at the same time, you're just trying to find some minutes on the court. And I've, I've played in the ACB the last two years, so I, I know how it is. I know how challenging of a league it is. The coaching is different. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, you're kind of thrown in these situations, and then out of nowhere, you get an opportunity out of nowhere to go showcase mm-hmm. yourself at the hoop summit and then yeah. it turns into becoming a, a first round NBA draft pick. Like what was that? Mm-hmm. Like what, like what was your, your ment your mental process of like just bouncing around Spain nah. and kind of like being under the radar, not really making yeah. minutes and getting to play a lot for Flynn Labrada. And then you come to America, you put a triple double on, uh, Anthony Davis is going to be the number one pick, mm. and then you go out there and you become a first round pick. It's like, how were you able to just sit back and just realize, like, man, what what is going on? And the next thing you know, you're in Charlotte. Like, I'm in the NBA. Were yeah. you ever able to just sit back and just kind of be like, What's yeah, going on how did this all just happen so fast? You know, uh, like for me, when I first got to Spain, like I was on a mission. Uh, why, like, you know, like in Spain, as you know, like, like teams and coaches, they love going to dinner, like party and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I ain't never done none of that. Like, none of that, literally. Like, after games, you know, teammates would be like, man, we're going to go have a drink. Uh, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to go home, man. I got to work out tomorrow. So I had a coach that used to come in like the day after the game and we just go work out. Uh, and then sometimes the day before the game. Uh, so like for me, my mindset was always like, look, if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. And, and I'm chasing what I'm chasing and I'm going to focus on this until, until it happened. So, uh, never drink neither when I was in Spain, like, man, you had to see me. I <laughs> I will work out with my coach. I will then work out with the team. Then I, uh, I so I work out with my coach. Then I work out with one of the two teams in the morning, and then at night I go work out with the other team. For me, it was just about preparation, because if you put enough time into preparing yourself for all these moments when they come, you're just diving into it. I think where a lot of people get caught in is like, uh, should 
this is getting hotter. So yeah, fuck it. I'm gonna go drink. You know, I'm gonna you you start looking at different direction how you can make up like the 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 way you feel and and the way I was feeling at the time I just redirected into working out and then like doing the things that I believe that was getting me a step closer to my you know me achieving the things I always wanted to achieve uh, but yes there comes a times where I always sit back and look at a picture from the outside of how far I've come as an athlete but then I've always looked at the place also that I've made a mistake and to be able to sit back and say like yeah I could have done better like I've actually learned a lot even from the things that I did uh, that I was not really that was not really going to help me you know when you're following friends sometimes like yo we're going out hey you out and then the next day you play like shit it's like all right man i'm gonna play you know the next game sometimes it might not be the next game so now like for sure so that's kind of the way me i looked at it it's more like okay i need to sit back and really dig deep like into what's important for me and because, like, you know, in summertime, we have summertime to do whatever. So, and then back to, like, where Nurse was saying, like, me, I've always had the joy to be in a gym. You know, like, I don't think there is ever a shortcut. And what I got to learn that is, like, my very first year at the beginning when I used to come in the gym, I hate people beating me to the gym, man. I hate that. <laughs> I, man. That's true. You were always it, the first one there. It pisses me off. I like to finish my workout and then other guys coming in. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm already done. Y'all showing up. I'm going to dive into my next one. So I, I will always see Westbrook in a gym earlier before me. And then I keep keep going back to myself like, how the hell is this guy beating me to the gym? So then I would just show up early on purpose, sit at the door until somebody opened the door. And then I would have... And then I did that for like two weeks. And then Westbrook, we always come in, you know, with his socks and his uh, tuck and his shorts. And then I start asking him, like, what have you done so far? I was like, yeah, I was up running on a beach. I was like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> now I got to go back and do more because I just don't like that. And then it becoming habits, you know. Uh, and then just it's, a, it's another day to get better. That's just the way I see it. I never want to have regret at the end of my career, even though sometimes, you know, you don't fit into places like things are not working out. The system is not made for you. I just never want to stop working. You know, if it doesn't work out in one place, for sure it's going to work out in another place. But in order for it to work out in another place, I have to be ready for it. So, yeah. Man. That's so good. That is absolutely preparing for the opportunity. And you do and, that. And that's what happens. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, it's funny you say he's always in the gym. I remember a couple of years ago in Santa Monica, he would, he would get his bat on court work and then he would go, uh, he would lift with us in the weight room and then he would go do his little crossfit uh, training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always going up and up. But, I mean, it, yeah, though, it prepares me. You got to think about for it. Sure. You're in Charlotte for a couple of years, and then you get a great opportunity in Toronto, and then you mm-hmm. get Eastern Conference Finals. You're out there 
15 points, 25 rebounds, putting up crazy, you know, 2K numbers, and then <laughs> that leads to a life-changing contract, you know, so it just... Yeah, but even in Toronto, man, when I was in Toronto, I was all about my business, man. Like, like every single night in Toronto. So when I was in Toronto, I didn't take one day off. When I mean one day off is I had zero day off. Even the day where they say it's a lockout day, I'll still go in and get my work in. And then I'll still go. I was in the gym every single day, morning and night. Every single day, except obviously on game day, you have the shirt around. But every other day that we had, I was in the gym. And and I told myself, my goal that year was to work as hard as possible. And by the end of the season, if I look at myself in the mirror, I have to be able to say, you know what? As a human being, I trust in God that God work his way into things and God find his way. But I got to give him something to work with, you know, like, look, I did my part. I put my work in. Things work out great. If things doesn't work out, I have to be able to go and enjoy my summer. So like that year as a player, man, at the end of the year, I was hurt because of like the amount of work and then the playing time. Uh, but the reward out of works far beyond education of man toronto is nice restaurant nice people great friend you got drake there and drake was just opening his restaurant we get an invite to go to his i'm gonna go home i just gotta rest you know like it's like all the toughest thing you have to do but then at the end of the day the reward out of it, like. I've always looked at it as the way I prepared myself for it. I was far beyond ready because the game was the easiest part for me. Like every night. Every defensive scenario, every offensive scenario, how I could get my shot within my offense. And I have to go to bed happy. Like, if we messed up on one thing, we had to repeat it until I get it right and feel good about it. Then we'll move on to the next thing. So when it comes down to game time, like moving my guys around and knowing our system and how I could stop from the point guard all the way down to the big because we had to switch each and every pick and roll. So I needed to learn or study every player. Uh and and it became like my lifestyle, you know, like I'll go to the gym in the morning, work out with the team, come back, eat, take a nap, turn around, go back to the gym, get my workout in, come back, uh, watch the game and learn about the plays and stuff, get my massage, go to sleep. The next day you play, the following day, do the same routine. Man, you hit the nail on the head for sure. It's It's about developing those routines and – realizing that, yeah, you might have made it, but what made you get to that point was your relentless consistency every single day. And no matter how much you make in a contract, there's always somebody out there that's higher than you on the ladder that you're going for, man. It's it's amazing to see your work ethic and nothing, absolutely nothing has been given to you and you have great appreciation for that. The 
fact that Westbrook was making more money than me and getting to the gym early, that, that to me, I was back then when I was a rookie. That was like a wake up call for me. Like, yo, if this guy's making more money than me and he's beating me at the gym, something wrong with me, man. Yeah, like something wrong with me. Like, I gotta do something about this. But yeah. also, like, this goes a long way. Like, I think I had a meeting one time. You know, when we do this basketball with our borders in Africa, uh, one of the GM uh, asked me a question like, if you would have retired today, how would you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you work hard enough, like you did everything in your power to be the best player you could be? I literally looked at him in the eyes and I said, hell no. He said, so why you play basketball then? Man. And then I came back from Africa, and then I started seeing Westbrook beating me to the gym. I was like, hell no, man, can't have this. So uh, it's just as an athlete, we got to realize at some point, like, you know, yes, we're blessed to be in certain situations, but me, I was, like, born and raised believing in hard work. The hard work was the only way that I was going to succeed, like, for my parents. And obviously believe in like God guidance in some situations and staying focused on, on the task, you know, whatever, whatever it is that I want to accomplish. So this and on that point is talking about, I mean, your family in Africa and going to Africa, like even more than just the, the super talented basketball player that you are. I mean, you do so much more, so much more good for this world and for Africa than anybody knows. Can you talk a little bit about on what what you're doing in Africa, what you're doing for the people, giving back? And like, literally, I think you're going to be the president of Africa. There could be a president of <laughs> Oh, dear God. The president, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love wearing suits, so that might go a long way. <laughs> <You But>, uh, <laughs> I see those Instagram with those suits on there. You think? Uh, no, I like wearing suits. It look good on me, though. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, what, what I do off the court, really, like we run programs. We have scholarship programs. Uh, we also build schools. Uh, we refurbish courts and uh, and refurbish hospitals as well. Uh, we also give kids scholarships to bring them here in the U.S. Uh, but the way I started was my rookie year, actually. You know, uh, my rookie year, I was um, I was 19, and and I wanted to do something while I'm going back home, and and I was struggling and sleeping. So I'm I'm trying to figure out like it's something really going on that I can't figure out what it is, but I've been struggling sleeping. So a few days before I go back home, I just woke up one day like, I'm having this feeling like, just go buy as many shoes as you can. I called the equipment manager, you know, ask whatever you got, because you're trying to do a camp back home. So I called my equipment manager. Um, he, had, he had some stuff, so he gave me a bunch of stuff. And then I went and bought some shoes. Uh, I called my brother because my brothers were still back home. I said, look, I need like 25 kids. I just want to do a camp for kids, you know, and give them all these things I'm going to bring. So I did 25 kids my first, uh, when I first got home. And then I went and sleep like a baby. I was like, oh, man, this is such a great feeling. Like I've been struggling to sleep. 
But then the second day, you know, I give the kids brand new pair of shoes. Some of these kids didn't have brand new pair of shoes. And I was one of those kids. I didn't have my, my first brand new pair of shoes until I was 16, you know. Like all the shoes that I was wearing up until I got to Yemen was like secondhand shoes and stuff. So um, uh, the third day, once it happened, then I talked to my parents like, look, this is what, I, what has, hap- has been happening. And then my mom and dad was like, maybe something you want to look into, you know what I mean? So then I came back, I called Jordan Brand. I was like, look, I'm, I started doing basketball camps. How can you guys help? They're like, look, we're going to give you t-shirts, shorts, shoes, and uh, and uh, basketballs and, uh, and, and some jerseys. I was like, man, perfect. So second year, we went from 25 to, to 100. And then... Uh, and then after 100, the following year, we went up to 500. And now we have uh, a little over 10,000 kids across the country. Yes. And then, and then from there, you know, we just start looking at different ways. It's like, these kids are so talented. What can we do? So we, uh, we start bringing the kids over here. So I, I was helping kids come over here, uh, I think, the second year when I turned 20. And some of these kids were my age. And... Um, and my, my, my only thing was like, if I don't do it, I know people saying I'm young, but if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? You know, like if we have to wait, how many talents is going to be lost, you know? So I might as well invest in these people now. And God knows how many lives they're going to be able to save and change in the future. So we did our first kids. And actually last year, one of our kids was in all McDonald and he also played in the Hoop Summit. Um, and uh and i think that over the course of the years just like it's just as a competitor you know every year you want to get better you want to add something uh to what you're doing so we went from uh basketball camps into scholarship from scholarships into refurbishing basketball court from refurbishing basketball court into building schools because you can't get all the kids outside of congo you want to be able to help some of these kids dream and live their dreams while they still home and accomplish their dreams, actually. Um, so uh, from there, you see the health of the people was kind of important uh, to me um, and, and people around me. So we start, we decided to start jumping in, into refurbishing hospitals. So therefore, uh, last year actually was the first year where we did like uh, six hospitals that we refurbished and we deployed like one medical, uh, medical pad. So it's like a container they changed the inside into a uh, like a surgical uh, room and we can also connect it to satellite so like in a place where we deploy it in case the doctor cannot perform surgery they can get connected to internet and then they can skype uh uh doctor without borders and then the doctor will walk them into the, the process of doing the surgery to save whatever patient so that's a little bit of what we you know when i mean we it's like me and the people that work on the ground. You always gotta give them credit because they do more than I actually do. So I just come up with the idea, and then we all figure ways to execute it. So long story short, that's a little bit of what we do back home, man. man that's that's an that's an amazing vision coming from basketball camps to now saving lives in hospitals, dude. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. 
Biz is a man of the people, man. <laughs> That's why. <I'm> <laughs> no, man. Why he's gonna be? No, man. But maybe the whole world, you know? Maybe it just takes over the world. Uh, Seriously. Biz, how, how is the? You know, I, I've been over there in Europe now for two years, and uh, mm-hmm. playing in the Euroleague, you see a lot of these top players that were in the NBA, and then they like mm-hmm. to come back home and play. And I always ask them, you know, why did you not want to stay in the NBA? A lot of the guys said it. They didn't like it. They feel more comfortable coming home, being a star. How how is it? How has the transition been for you? I know you've been in Charlotte now about six years for your career. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, is America is it is it home for you now, or do you still kind of have days where you wish you're back home playing? Or how has that been for you? Mm. You know, like for me, it's different because, like me, you know, I. I the first two years or the first year I left was the first time I went away from my family, so it was a struggle, you know. And um, and and then the second year when I went to Spain was a still struggle. Like when I was uh, when I grew up, I used to never cry, you know what I mean. But the first time I actually even saw my parents cry, cry it was when I was living. And then the second time I actually. I had to cry because I was like, shit, like, I'm going away from my family. I won't be seeing that maybe for a few years. But as as I go back home every summer, as I travel all over the place, um, I see my family, like, now more often than ever. So now for me, it's like whatever I'm playing, that's my home. I got to make it my home. It's got to feel good. It's got to feel comfortable. And, and then in the summertime, so you know it's probably whatever i'm playing in you know uh la but home for me you know it's not really like i have the pressure like of you know living in one place because whatever i really go that's where my family's gonna come it's not like you know i'm really oh yeah if if i was born in the u.s it'd be different you know you always want to go back and make whatever you're from you know your home base and your family but for me, it's, you know, whatever I'm at, whatever I'm moving. That's it, man. Your home is where you are. Yep. So your home yeah. right now is in Charlotte, the horrible city of yeah. Charlotte. Sorry about that. No, it's great. You Listen, if I live in Yemen, I can live anywhere. That's true. <laughs> if I live in Yemen, I can live anywhere and be happy about it, man. Like in Yemen, I had no, I had one restaurant across the street. And then the the gym was right behind that. And I'll go to that restaurant, I'll go to the gym, I'll come back home. And that's back when I was playing video game until I quit. Man, I'm gonna use that as a quote from now on. If it, if you can live in Yemen, you can live anywhere. You can live anywhere, man. Before we let you off this one percenter podcast, we're gonna hit you with some rapid fire questions. So put him in the hot seat. In the hot seat. Ray's been in that hot seat before. Ray succeeded the hot seat. So whatever yeah. comes whatever comes to your mind, roll with it. So the first one is Hold up. Can I say skip? <laughs> oh, I have to answer. <laughs> no, if you don't like it, you can say skip. It's not it's nothing bad though. That's funny. Hit it. Oh man. So do you have any you have one of the toughest, strongest mindsets that I've ever seen. Do you have any favorite yeah. mindset quotes that you live by or sayings yes. that you love? Yes. If today is my last day, like what would I do? Like 
I, I say this every day I wake up in the morning. Uh, when I thank God, I also thank, thank him for giving me another opportunity to see another day and continue to chase my dream because somebody is dying when yeah. I'm putting my feet on the ground. So like, uh, those are my favorite thing. Every morning I wake up, I have a mirror like next to my bed. So when I wake up, I, I literally looking at myself in the mirror. It's so it's, it's so funny. <laughs> that's that's really good. You even cover the point of what I was going to ask you for what you do in the morning. So oh. you wake up, you're already pumping your my bad. That quotes. No, that's good. You doubled up. Great mind thing of life. What about what does the word legacy mean to you? Maybe not in the same terms and context that. Yeah, people might think you got to be on a billboard or anything like that. But what does leaving nah. a legacy mean to to you? Uh, to me, leaving a legacy simply mean like you know when when you succeed in life, you have to be able to sit back and see other people succeed because you were part of their journey. Nice, and that's that's the way I see legacy. You know, it's not necessarily. You know, having the most money, you know, being on most of the billboard. I think it's mostly lifting other people up to where you have thousands of people speaking good about you, saying that they succeed because you were part of their journey. Uh, to me, that's that's really what, what I define as legacy. Because at the end of the day, we all going to make money. You know, we all going to uh, accomplish our dreams. But now how do you pull somebody up and help them? you know, accomplish whatever they're trying to accomplish. That's beautiful, man. Really good. I love that. So l- let me paint this picture real quick. Most people listening to this know you and know who you are and know what you look like. But if those who don't, so this is six nine, absolutely chiseled. Just that's why he's saying he looks good in suits because he fills out the suit really well. So no. what are some secrets? Give me, give me like your one go-to Let's call it your secret, your secret trick that you think that makes you, makes you stand out, makes you, um, makes you just be, I mean, who you are. Like for me, I would say taking an ice cold shower every single morning gives me an advantage over somebody else. Do you have any like little uh, tricks? Uh, no, well, I don't think there is really a secret trace. It's, it's more of, uh, of, um, uh, uh, like self-discipline. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like the way I, what I eat, the way I work out and the way I take care of my body, you know, the things that I, that I do on and off the court, uh, I always look around the locker room is, is nobody beating me to the gym. Is nobody going to eat healthier than me. It's nobody, gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, it, there's boxes that I need to check. Like, you have to read more books. You have to have the knowledge of what's happening in other countries, not just the U.S., you know what I mean? So it's a lot of things, really. It's not just one thing. Plus, you you know, your boy look good, so uh, <laughs> that goes a long way, too. The suit cover everything, but the boy look good. Man. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Man. <laughs> your mind's... Hey, man, they, say, they say look good, feel good, right? Look good, feel good. <laughs> Play good. <laughs> that's a good quote right there, man. But but what that is, I mean, that's just that's just consistency in the lifestyle that you live. So that's yeah. 
There's no shame. I mean, you work out with me. You see me. Like, oh. Every day I come in the gym, I got to be happy. I got to work as hard because when it's all said and done, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. Because we, we can all go in the media and say all these things. Oh, man, the coach didn't claim me all this. Yeah. But if you're doing the right thing, shit, opportunity going to find you, you know. Rather it's with one guy or another one, he's going to find you, man. It's Absolutely. not shortcut to that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. So before we before we give you this final question, how can we all follow you? How can we know everything, Bismack Biombo? How can we support your foundation and what you do? Uh, my website is about to be up in two weeks. Uh, we'll be doing the website because uh, I had a lot of questions uh, coming from people based on uh, people that want to come home, like they want to see uh, what we have been doing and what's the experience like. Because what we also like to do, if, if people wants to come with us and donate, uh, we have took a lot of our big donor back home with us and then we always get to do the gorillas, which I think is one of the amazing experience. Uh, we just go in the wild, uh, see the gorillas. I think I posted a video a few times uh, on my Instagram and then just do a little nice safari fun at the end of the trip. But uh, in two weeks, the video will be out and, and then you guys can help on that. Uh, and and if you want to be part of it, you know, we, we're more than welcome to well anybody with good energy that that want to lift up other people in this world this love it man we'll get that out there like I'll, I'll support it for sure we'll support it and i'm coming to africa this summer with you i know we had we tried to make it happen and it it got cut short but this summer you let me know you when know you where to find me i'm already booked. we get it on that fly and we're going Yep. <laughs> Ray, you can come too if you want, man. If you want to join us in Africa for some training, I let's never, do it. I never, I Dude, we should do it. Yeah. Have a little training. This is one of the great trips, man. You have a lot of fun. Man. So it's a different place. Great vibe. Great, great people. Man, we're in. We're Dude, in. Can, man. I, I, work, I work with the guards, man. I got you. Let's do it. Seriously. <laughs> we do it camp every summer. So <laughs> this summer is going to be great, too. So I, I look forward to having all of you, man. We got it, Ray. Ray. Hey, the, the nurse, he, he can't leave just yet, you know. Oh, no. He's still on the hot seat. You you know the final hey. question, Ray. I'm going to let you have a thought. Oh, oh, you got five. Oh, shit. Damn, fire, fire the questions, man. My bad. <laughs> hey, keep doing what you're doing, but don't forget, this is a 1% of the I got one tough question, man. What does being a 1%er mean to you? Oh, uh, what does it mean? That's a, uh, I think what it means to me is just that it's a blessing uh, that I need to share with other people. That's what it simply means to me. That's beautiful. And Hey, Ray, you know what he hit? He hit the actual true definition. It's pouring into yourself 1% daily so you can pour into others. Yeah, you have to be able, you know, it's it's a blessing. You get up every day, you feel this blessing. But, like, I need to share this blessing. It's a lot of blessing I, I got, you know what I mean? So Man. That's why you got to keep your energy up. You got to, shit, we all fit off of each other, you know, so. Yep. Keep sharing the blessings and keep sharing the knowledge, man. Yeah, man, every single day. Got to. This. 
You're an inspiration to me and Ray. You're an inspiration to so many people out there. Um, I just hope uh, I hope a lot of people can just see what you're doing and seeing that you're using your platform for so much more. There just needs to be more people like you in this world because you've been given a platform that you've that you've earned, and now you're giving back to so many people and changing so many people's lives. So, me and Ray are super proud of you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You know we're here always to support you. Appreciate you, guys. Big time thank you for joining me on the One Percenter Podcast. Hopefully you took something away from today that you can implement into your own life. Hope you all have a great week. Thank you for supporting the One Percenter Podcast. Go out there and do something for somebody. Change somebody's life. If you change one life, that is leaving a legacy. The rest is gravy on top. Remember, life is a journey. Enjoy it. David Nurse, One Percenter Podcast, signing off.